occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. Hey, welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 73. I'm Abby. I'm Kate. And we are being watched currently. Yeah, by the FBI. We are now video recording our podcasts exclusively for Patreon. So if you are a patron then you can go and check out a video of us if you'd prefer to feel like you're hanging out with us, talking about spooky things and drinking a coffee. My issue, however, is that I am so white <laughs> that this light keeps turning me into a ghost. It's a work in progress, but we're hoping to make it really fun, really chill, and you can hang out with us virtually if you would rather do that rather than listen to the audio. And we're going to have them uncut for the most part, so you'll be able to see like all of the other shit that we chat that we cut out hell yeah what are you talking about today kate this week i'll be calling on my barely used psychology degree to talk about bell gunness a norwegian american serial killer which was a listener request thank you Ooh, that sounds delightfully spooky i'm talking about the tragic and bizarre event of the taconic state parkway crash do you need a hug yeah yeah it was, a, it was a, a grim time, but I do think that it's worth talking about because it's very interesting and I want to know what you think. Well, I'm, I guess, excited to hear about it. You got any news first? Okay, yes. My news this week is from msn.com. It's not like the spookiest news you're going to hear, but it unsettled me. Okay, I can do that. In Kentucky and Indiana, there's something weird going on. Both states have seen a mass of blue jays, grackles, and European starlings dropping dead inexplicably. Ooh. Yeah. The ones that don't die have been seen to experience illness, including eye swelling and neurological issues. I know what you're all thinking. Animals get sick. That's not weird. Well, the wildlife departments have said they don't even have a clue what they're looking for with regards to a cause. Uh, there was a woman called Alison Gillet, Gillet, I'm not sure how you say it. I would prefer Gillet, but it could be Gillet. 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 From Indiana State University. Uh, she said they're trying to find an unknown object in a haystack. Yeah, I imagine. That's pretty scary. So it may take weeks to pinpoint the cause. Well, some think it's just another illness. Others think it could be a dark omen of times to come. Possibly a sign of a coming apocalypse. Who knows? Well, I fucking hope not. Me too. I had a look online and something that a dead bird means something's coming to an end and will be painful if there's resistance. Okay. So who knows? Something big might be happening in Kentucky. <laughs> if you're in Kentucky, let us know if anything big happens. Yeah. Regardless. Shout out to you. <laughs> Shout out to all the birds The in colonel Kentucky. himself. Regardless of what you think, it's definitely a bit weird. And if you live nearby, don't touch the birds. Keep your pets away from the birds. And if you find a dead bird, put it in a sealable bag in an outdoor bin and report it online to help the wildlife departments. What happens if you touch the bird? Well, you might get sick. Ooh. If it's a sickness, I don't know, do you not remember swine flu? You want to get right into it? Yeah, horrific car crash at 8am. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so some of the victims in this story are children, as a heads up. 
Um, I think you can kind of gather the gist of the story from the title, but I won't be going in depth to anything too horrible, too gory, nothing like that. As a uh, quick side note, mine also involves the death of children. I do not go into it and it is not gory. Okie dokie. So my sources are New York Daily News for the CCTV video, Wikipedia, All That's Interesting, Ranker.com, The Manson Family-MTTS.Medium.com, and TheoremFact.WordPress.com. So this story centers around 36-year-old Diane Schuler. Diane was thought to be a perfect mother and a happy wife. Her and her husband Daniel had two young children, Brian, aged five, and Erin, aged two. Sometimes they, like, they were quite close to her brother Warren and their sister-in-law Jackie, and they had three daughters together who were slightly older than their own, named Emma, Allison, and Kate, and sometimes they would babysit for them. They also had a family dog. What was the family dog called? There was no name for the family dog. I knew you were going to ask about the dog. Can we name the family dog? I don't think that's, that's how it works. Rupert. Diane was raised Catholic and was in a mid-level management position at a cable company. Her husband, Daniel, was in a public safety position, and I think he was an officer. He let her deal with the finances, and she, he described her as reliable, trustworthy, and honest. The family lived in West Babylon, New York, and in July 2009, they went on a camping trip at the Hunter Lake Campground in Parksville, New York. The park's about a two-and-a-half, three-hour drive um, from their house, and Diane and Daniel took their children, as well as their nieces, to the campground for the weekend. So Diane bothered her brother, her brother Warren's 2003 Ford Windstar, which is like a mum minivan. That's, yeah, I was going to you know say, that's like the classic mum minivan. It's the one you get like loads of people in. You are fitting groceries galore in that thing. Yeah, family, dogs, whatever you want. Bananas. Barbecues. Hun, you want to bring your entire family of eight with my entire family of eight? Get in the Winra. Daniel, Winra, Winstar. <laughs> that was it. Winra, Winra. is not free. The- <laughs> Daniel took his pickup truck so he could bring the dog and they were going to meet there. So she was going with the kids and he was going with the dog separately. She could have fit the dog in. And they were doing the same thing for the way back. Well, he just didn't want to do that. That was just how they did it. The weekend was fun and they were ready to come home and get back to everyday life. It was 9.30am on the 26th of July when the family left the campgrounds and headed home. The owner of the campground said that Diane seemed perfectly normal at the time. Daniel that makes me again. think that something perfectly abnormal is coming. Yeah, well, Daniel left again by himself with the dog. Another note, for some reason the children were not in car seats and they were not wearing seat belts. When was this? The event. Mm. 2009. Oh. I was going to say, like, the 90s. <laughs> no, it was not that long ago. Wow. I'm not sure whether this was just for this day or whether this was something that they just did all the time. Mm. Some families are like that, and that's just how it is. I remember when I was a kid, um, my mum was very into like car safety, as I think you should be. Definitely. Um, I didn't have a car seat because I was always like a bit tall for one. Same. But I used which to is have funny, one though, because now I'm five two. But um, tell me about your car seats. <laughs> I we always did like you know seat belts and stuff. Mm. And then I remember I used to go my, with my friends sometimes. I visit their house and they'd be like, let's go to McDonald's. And they just, no one would put a seatbelt on. Yeah, I didn't have that many friends like that. I did have one friend and I was constantly fearful in their car. Um, but yeah, I always, I liked my car seat. I liked to be taller. I mean, I was a tall girl anyway, but 
Yeah, the annoying thing though was to go in the front seat, you had to be a certain height or over 12, I think. And I couldn't. Yeah. And I really wanted it. And now I drive and I wish I was in the back. Oh. Circle of life. Kids. You should just get Ubers everywhere. On the way home, Diane stopped off at McDonald's to get Hera and the kids food. They dined in at around 10.30am. What did they get? And they had breakfast. Oof. I think they had breakfast meals, presumably. 10.30 is the cut-off point, but I think, like... That's a classic. Nothing better than when you're en route home and you get a Mackey's. We know for a fact that Diane drank an orange juice. Yes! She a good on her, to be honest. Employees reported that they all seemed fine and happy. The kids were playing. It was good. She also stopped off at a gas station. Well, she stopped off at a few, actually, but this one in particular was quite important because there's CCTV footage of her going in normally. She enters. She seems a bit stressed. She's kind of running her hands through her hair. And she asked for pain medication from the, the clerk, mm. but they didn't have any. She got back in the minivan and left again to continue the journey. At 11.37am, Diane called Warren to tell him that they were being delayed by traffic and they might be home a bit later than intended. Right. However, while she was making this call, other people in different cars were making calls to police that didn't quite align with the story Diane had been telling her brother. Instead, calls came into police reporting a red minivan driving aggressively down the interstate. There were reports that the minivan was tailgating, flashing its headlights, honking and swerving in and out between traffic and straddling lanes. Oh my God. Jesus, Diane. That's an insane amount of road rage for one minivan driver. There was no known reason for her to be so aggressive driving or for her to be in such a rush. The journey wasn't very long. There wasn't that much traffic. And even with traffic, they would have been back about one. Well, not only that, I have a story for you. When I was younger, I got a stomach bug when I was on holiday and we were in Yorkshire. And for those that don't know, it's about a five hour drive from Yorkshire to the south where I lived. And I was horrendously sick. Oh God, it was awful. I remember every time I woke up, I was sick. And my parents were like, go to sleep. And I was just sticking <laughs> up everywhere in the bag. It was awful. We had to stop at petrol stations. My parents were like, give us plastic bags. Because this was before they were 5p. And they were like, we uh, can't give you plastic bags, sir. And then my dad would turn around and be like, look. And it was just me like. <laughs> so uh, maybe it was that. Did they give you the bags? They did. Yeah, I filled up a few bags. Oh. Yeah. One time I was sick for no reason. You know, when kids just get sick. What is that I feel about? Like I'd, I guess because they're with loads of other kids all the time and kids are kind of gross. They just like eat dirt and stuff. Well, not only that, I guess they don't have any, um, like, what's it called? Immune system yet. Yeah. there's. A, I feel like there's a few different factors of why children are always sick. But when I was a kid, um, I was probably about 12, maybe a bit younger, I went to the theatre with my my family, which was something we didn't do. Like, it wasn't like an event that we regularly did. I think we went maybe twice, event. three times ever. It was a special thing for the family. We went to see like a, a play that's like really famous where I live in Liverpool. And... You're not naming the play. Blood Brothers. I was in it when I was in secondary school. Um, she wasn't in the, the production. No, not in the big one. No, just like drama class. Um irrelevant but anyway yeah when we were in there I just got ridiculously sick and then I just started throwing up and 
people on the row before us, like right in front of us, were freaking out because they were all just old women who just got their hair done. I was trying to not vomit all over them. And then I got escorted out. We had to sit on the sidelines. And then on the way back, I was just vomiting out of the car window, probably hitting other cars. My dad was screaming. It was... Could you imagine? Traumatic, honestly. You know, those people that roll their, their windows down and smoke out the, <laughs> the window. Oh, my God. Some dog has just got a face full of sick. Oh, my God. Sorry, continue. She was... Sometimes you've got to break up the sad stories with the fun story, otherwise it's going to be really upsetting. Yeah. So, at 1pm, Diane's brother got another call from her phone. This time it was from one of his children, using Di- like using Diane's phone. Mm-hmm. She told her father there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. She said that Diane was having trouble seeing and speaking clearly. And Diane took the phone off her and said that she was disoriented and couldn't see clearly. It's reported that while this call was being made, Diane had pulled over, so she wasn't driving. She was on the, the side of the road. Right. Her brother told the family to stay put and that he'd just come pick them up because they weren't that far away at this point. Mm-hmm. He then tried to call Diane's phone many more times, but every call was ignored, and police later found that Diane had left her phone just by the side of the road. No. No one's sure whether she did this to cut off tracking and communication or whether it was an accident. Well, I guess if she was disoriented, she probably just chucked it, you know what I mean? 30 minutes later, two drivers called the police to tell them that a minivan had entered the exit ramp of the intersection and was driving down the wrong side of the road, going 85 miles an hour. Oh my god. Four more calls then followed up, reporting the same thing. Two minutes after the calls came into the police, Diane's minivan collided with another vehicle. This impact caused the vehicle to hit another vehicle. And although he had major injuries, the only survivor of the incident was Brian. So everybody in that car was killed, besides Brian. The other car that it hit, is Brian one of the kids? Yeah. Right. Had 81-year-old Michael Bastardi, his 49-year-old son Guy, and their, fr- their friend, 74-year-old Dan Longo, who all also died. Jesus. And two other people were also injured in the third car, but they weren't major injuries. Two men witnessed the accident and ran to help, and after removing Diane from the minivan, they noticed a broken absolute vodka bottle by the driver's side. Oh, my God. Witnesses who saw Diane driving the wrong way described her expression as serene and oblivious, as if she was completely unaware that she was driving the wrong way. That's horrific. Right? I don't think anything could be scarier. You know, as you're driving down, you're like, oh my God, there's a car coming the wrong way on a motorway. And then you just look at them and they're just at peace. That's horrific. It's definitely scary. And it was scary to write about this because... Car accidents happen, and mm. they are a scary thing that I think about too often uh, because I have anxiety. But this case is interesting because it's completely out of character. Yeah. So there's so much fight for from her family that she wasn't drunk, even though the evidence points to that. So this inves- investigation called nationwide attention and outrage because how could a seemingly loving mother and a put-together wife and, you know, a, a great woman just do something like that because it seemed to happen out of the blue like just an hour ago she was taking her kids to mcdonald's which was normal they were all having a good time her husband daniel strongly disagreed with the idea that she may have been drunk because it seemed very random and out of character did they test the bottle 
I don't think so because it was smashed in the accident. Because, and I'm just putting it out there. I mean, first of all, it might be, you know, like when I pack a car and I pack every crevice of that car so that we fit everything. Might have just been that she was bringing it home and she was like, it fits in the driver's side. Perfect. Oh, yeah. But also it might be my friend Sophie has (laughs) empty vodka bottles that she uses as like water bottles. That's a terrible idea. Yeah. She's made many a mistake. But Sophie, why do you do that? <laughs> I know you listen to this. I need clear answers. That's a, literally the worst idea. Yeah, I've seen her do it. Like, I remember waking up one morning after, like, we've had a night of drinking. I go downstairs. She's necking a grey goose. And I'm like, what are you doing, friend? Stop. And it's just water. So maybe it was that. Possibly. Well... Toxicology reports noted that she was heavily intoxicated. Okay, never mind. In fact, she had over double the legal limit. For reference, the legal limit is 0.08 and her alcohol limit was 0.19. Oh. There was also an extra six grams in her stomach yet to be absorbed. Oh my goodness. In addition to this, Diane also had high levels of THC, suggesting she had smoked marijuana as recently as 15 minutes before the crash. Oh my God. So they were both, they were both combined. Investigators thought this would be an easy case to close because it kind of made sense. She was drunk, she was stoned, they found the bottle. You know, people reported her vomiting on the side of the road at one point. So it kind of seemed to make sense. But her family strongly denied this. They were like, she would never do that. She'd interact with people that day and they all said she was fine. Mm. The guys at McDonald's, the guys at the gas station, they were all like, she seemed perfectly normal. There was nothing wrong with her. I mean, she could have been perfectly fine after, like, smoking a bit of weed, if that's something that she did, you know? Yeah, but, like, to be that drunk but that yeah. you start driving 85 miles down the wrong side of the road. That's, yeah, that's crazy. Daniel, her husband, admitted that he and his wife had been drinking that bottle of vodka on the Saturday or on the Friday, but they didn't have anything to drink on the day of the incident. He said that they usually keep a bottle of alcohol in the camper, But Diane did all the packing, so she must have moved it, like, around in the van. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, maybe they drank heavily the night before, and then she still just had, like, high blood alcohol levels. But if it was in her stomach, waiting to be absorbed, that she's drank that. Yeah. Diane and the family also said that Diane never drank to excess. They'd never seen her drunk. And she only used marijuana for insomnia. Although Daniel's sister came forward later and said that she smoked it regularly. Hmm. The campground owner said that Diane appeared sober. The gas station clerks that spoke up said that she seemed perfectly normal. The employees at McDonald's said that she was sober. She even carried out an extended conversation while she was waiting for the food. The gas station clerk, who also said that she tried to buy pain medication, said that he couldn't sell her it because they'd run out. And she seemed fine. But he thought she might have had like an abscess in her mouth because she kept sort of rubbing her cheek. Warren, who she called just 90 minutes earlier, said that she sounded normal. Nothing seemed strange. Nobody in Diane's family had ever seen her drunk, as I said. The autopsy results showed an absence of organ damage found in alcoholics. Mm. Although examiners said that doesn't necessarily mean she didn't have alcoholism. It could just be that her organs weren't damaged yet. Daniel's private investigator said, quote, Unless you believe that a woman who's like a PTA mom of the year decides this is the day I'm going to, I don't give a damn. I'm going to have eight or ten shots and smoke a joint in front of my kids and nieces. Then something else had to happen. Right? That's not just something you do. I understand maybe like people are like, oh, she seemed normal. But, you know, if she's been smoking weed for years, you're going to be normal. 
you know. But to do it all in front of your kids and like do shots on the way home. It's like 10 a.m. It's not far. It's not a far drive. So Daniel and Diane's family and Daniel's attorney issued a statement that suggested this was caused due to a medical issue. Diane was overweight. She suffered from diabetes, according to her family. She'd also complained of an abscess in her mouth for seven weeks before her death and had a lump on her leg. She suggested that it may have been an embolism. Wow. The results of an autopsy showed that Diane had not suffered from a stroke, aneurysm, or a heart attack, for sure. Two months after her death, a really famous forensic pathologist suggested that her test should have been done. Who was it? Um, I don't know. I didn't write that name down. Sorry. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> I didn't think you'd ask. So he suggested that a hair test should have been done to determine Diane's drug history. Mm-hmm. And Daniel agreed and the process took place. But the lab results just came back the same. Two months after this, Daniel raised enough money to retest Diane's tissue samples. Like he was really adamant that she, didn't, she wasn't drunk. He then accepted a $100,000 offer from a film company to make a documentary on the subject and record Diane being exhumed because he wanted to give the money to Brian. Oh, that's sweet. Daniel then appeared on Larry King Live to demand more testing of his wife's remains. At this point, the family and the other victims were really pissed off because they were like, your wife was obviously drunk and she's killed my family. I think that's the thing. At the end of the day, she was the cause of death for those people. I mean, obviously the cause of death was like high speed impact, but like it's her that caused it regardless of whether it was her fault or whether it was a medical thing. So it's like, I understand that you want to clear her name. That totally makes sense. But at what cost? People are trying to grieve. Well, exactly. And so they were really upset because they were like, stop trying to paint her as this perfect mother and deny her alcohol use because our family are dead and there's nothing we can do about it. And we're not going on Larry King to ask for her to be exhumed. So they just wanted him to move on. They said that she was drunk, we just want the truth, move on. So at this point, Daniel stopped appearing on TV out of respect for the other family. Despite the efforts of Daniel, the crash was ruled a homicide due to negligent driving. And in August 2008, New York governor um, proposed a protection act, which would make it a felony to drive while intoxicated with a person under 16 in the car. Wait, was it not before? I guess not. Is it? Illegal to drive while intoxicated? This is what I was confused on. Even without a child? I presumed it must have meant like, you know, there's like a legal limit that you can still drive. Yeah. Maybe it just means you can't have anything at all if there's a, if there's a child in the car. Because I was thinking that. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Surely drink driving is illegal. Because it is, right? Maybe it just means it's a different felony. So it's like um, with assault in this country... We've got like four different kinds of assault right, and it depends yeah. on the exact like open palm if there's a car, that kind of thing. Um, so maybe it's like you'll be done with DUI if it's just you, but you'll be done with DUI with children present if it's, you know what I mean? Yeah, you get a, a more intense charge because they like add them together. Yeah, perhaps. I get that. So I want to tell you some ideas from the internet about what people think happened because Daniel still maintains that his wife would have never have done this, but obviously people don't really know because the signs are there that she was drunk. I'm astounded by his level of loyalty, to be honest. I hope I find someone like him. 
Some people find Daniel's behaviour strange after the crash because he seemed unsympathetic and he changed the story about whether Diane drank alcohol multiple times as well as smoking marijuana, whether she drank it at the weekend, you know, multiple different things. People think she may have gotten in an argument with him and Diane purposefully crashed the car as a murder-suicide. Oh my God. People think it's suspicious that Daniel didn't follow his wife closely when leaving the campground and think it's weird that they didn't stop off at McDonald's together on the way back. Why? I don't think that's weird. Yeah, I'm not too sure about this because um, if you were in an argument with your husband, why would your first response be to kill yourself and your entire family? No, that's not even the bit that I meant. I mean, also that. It does seem a bit, like, melodramatic. Well, also, there's not enough evidence to suggest that they were even mad at each other. Yeah, but... He might just not like McDonald's. I mean, I'm not being funny. If you were mad and were about to commit a murder-suicide, you wouldn't ring him on the side of the road. She didn't ring him. She rang her brother uh... to say she'd be back. Because her brother was the, the father of the other children in the Would car. Would you ring anyone, though, if you were about to commit murder-suicide? That's what I think is interesting. Would you stop off on the side of the road and make a call? No, probably not. I guess if you were intoxicated. Because but... it could be possible she didn't even know that she was going down the wrong side of the road. But also, as well as that, even if you're in an argument with someone or even if you weren't, whatever, I have followed people in cars before, but it's only when I don't know directions. Like, if I'm following your mum to your house, I'm going to go a different way. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to go the way that I know. So I think that's a weird thing to mention, you know what I mean? Yeah. Another theory is an untreated mental issue. So apparently before the crash, Dan exhibited impulsive spending just regularly. She apparently loved just spending money, so she would often leave the house for one small thing like milk and she'd come back with something much more expensive like a TV. That's my mum. This is one sign of a mental health issue. So psychiatrists suggest that it's possible Diane was suffering with a psychiatric disorder mm. and just sort of lost touch with reality on the day of the crash. Another idea is that she didn't have... Um, she was doing everything she could to stop the pain of the abscess, but she didn't have any pain medication. So it's possible that she turned to marijuana... And then it wasn't really doing the job. So she was like, maybe I'd just have like a drink. Yeah, but to be double the legal limit. Yeah. There's a drink. Not that that's excusable anyway when you're behind the wheel of a car, especially with kids in the car. But to be that drunk? Well, the theory then goes, because this is obviously just what I've seen on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, when her niece called her dad and told her something was wrong with Diane because Diane was obviously intoxicated at this point for the theory. Diane knew she only had two options, which was to get home as quick as possible so that nobody could see that she'd been drinking or to crash the car. Otherwise, it'd be discovered that she was intoxicated while driving and she'd be arrested and potentially, like, ruin her kids' lives. So... That's something that happens, isn't it, that I will never understand. People are like, I can't spend the rest of my life locked away, so I'm just going to die. Yeah, so it's possible that she was just like, man, I've had a few drinks and everyone's going to find out and they're going to report me. I'm never going to see these kids again. Mm. We'll all just die, you know? Could be. Which I guess, you know, is true. Um, there's also the idea that she hated her brother and did this to punish him which is quite an intense thought. There was no real signs of that either, but it is a theory. Why would you go on... Why? I don't know. Why would you go on holiday with him? I don't know. There's also the idea that Diane was a high-functioning alcoholic who hid her substance abuse issues from her family to mm -hmm. seem like the perfect mother. 
and then at that point she had too much without realizing it and accidentally caused the crash. That so could be. she'd put on a lot of weight over the years and obviously her husband dismissed this as just getting older. You know, it's just what happens. They've been married for a long time. But it could also indicate that Diane was a steady drinker. Mm-hmm. And if it was an early state of al- early stages of alcoholism, it would have been much harder to spot. Yeah, I think that that would make sense because everyone was like, she doesn't smoke weed. And then they were like, oh, no, actually she did. So Well, Daniel had a job where he wouldn't get home until after everyone had gone to bed, the kids and Diane. So it's possible that he never saw her drinking mm. because she was already asleep and she was just hiding the evidence, you know, out of like embarrassment or whatever. Yeah. That would make sense. Um, she may have taken up drinking as another way to help her sleep if she was using marijuana for insomnia um, or stress relief. Because if he was working that late all the time, she was probably doing a majority of the parenting for the most part. You know, picking the kids up from school and spending all of the evenings with them. It could be quite stressful. And she still had a job, so... Yeah, not only that. I mean, even without kids, it's stressful when you don't get to see your other half for extended periods of time. It's lonely, you know. Well, there's also the idea that she was just really stressed. Because sometimes when you're stressed, it can cause, like, intense tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can cause you to lose consciousness. However, besides her being a busy parent, there's no other reasons she would be so stressed that we know about that would cause it that sudden to cause an incident like this. Apparently she had a children's dance recital that day, but that was pretty much it. It was a Sunday. True. However, you know when you're coming back off holiday and you're like, I don't want to go back. This is going to be the worst time ever. I don't want to go back to work. I don't want to go see those people. I don't want to pay those bills. I don't want to do that. I don't want to take the kids to school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although, you know, we don't have those specific ones, everyone gets it. To some extent, yeah. True. So possibly that just triggered it. Potentially, yeah. Well, there's also the idea in that, you know, that she was so stressed, so she did breach the alcohol because she was like, this is fine, it'll just take the edge off. But I just have a hard time believing that she would do that with all of the children in the car, on the motorway. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because... You wouldn't do it in front of them if you're planning to go home. Do you know what I mean? Because they'd be like, guess what? Auntie Diane did, you know? Yeah. You just wouldn't do it. Kids are snitches. Also, there's the idea that whether she was stressed or, you know, whatever other reason, she was just on autopilot. So, you know, when you're driving and you just sort of get lost in your thoughts. Mm. If she had packed the vodka in the front, in like the cup holder or by by the side where she keeps her water or whatever, you know, just for safety reasons, because it's glass, it's a glass bottle. You mm-hmm. could easily do that, you mm-hmm. know. Then perhaps she just started drinking it without even thinking about it. Maybe she had a little bit for her tooth or, you know, enough that she was like, this isn't going to be a problem, and then just sort of mindlessly drank the whole thing. I don't know. Vodka, vodka is, is strong. Is a lot. You can't chug back vodka. Fair enough, you can do a shot of vodka and not make this face. But, like, you can't not realise that's what you're drinking. It's just, it doesn't taste like water. Anyone that tells you that is a big fat liar. Well, the final theory is auto-brewery syndrome. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I think I've heard of it. It's a rare medical condition where the stomach produces an excessive amount of ethanol right after eating a meal that's high in carbs. 
it causes a spike in the person's blood alcohol and the symptoms mimic someone that's highly intoxicated. So it can cause dizziness, erratic behaviour, slurred speech, other symptoms you get when you're also very drunk. It's very rare, as I said, but Diane had never been seen heavily drinking, so it's possible this is what caused her to become intoxicated. And the bottle in front is just there because she was packing it, like I said earlier. Mm -hmm. So she didn't have any history of um, mistreating herself or her children. She seemed sober right before she crashed the car. And we know she ate McDonald's with an orange juice, which is a meal that's high in sugar. If she had like a McMuffin or something, it would have been high in carbs. Um, and her liver was healthy during the autopsy, which suggested that she wasn't a heavy drinker. I don't know, though. Surely it would have been made apparent that she had that, because I'm sure the woman had eaten carbs before. Possibly, yeah. I mean... She's she probably not lived her whole life without carbs and then gone fancy a Mackey's. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think most people just think that she was a high-functioning alcoholic because vodka as well is, is kind of um, apparently a drink often used by later-stage alcoholics because it's easier to mask the smell and the, the look of it. Yeah, exactly. So, well, it does just look like water. So, you know, it's possible that she was just drinking. I mean, maybe she was doing it, you know, more often than people thought. She was mixing with juice. You know, you couldn't smell it, that kind of thing. But also, why did she have THC in her system? Because if she wouldn't drive drunk, she wouldn't drive high, right? Well, I had a, it's, it's a puzzling one. It's what I wanted to know your, your, your interest in. Also, your from my experience of... Ideas. Alcoholics in in my life. Um, why absolute? It's so expensive, for what it is. If you're a high functioning alcoholic, you're probably going to pick a cheap vodka. Maybe it's just what her husband buys. If that's what they were drinking over the weekend, maybe it's his it's his choice of. But vodka. then surely he'd notice if the whole bottle goes missing. True. If it's shared vodka, you've probably got your own vodka stash. It's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Nothing really adds up. Do you have any thoughts? Anything else? <laughs> no any thoughts. other ideas? Head empty. I don't know. I think I feel like you've covered all of the ideas, honestly. I don't think I could come up with something that you've not said. Maybe she was possessed. There you go. It is just... Um, it's very interesting. I remember hearing about this a few years ago and just kind of forgetting about it until recently. And then I was like, I've I never have heard to know of what this. Kate is talking about. Like, I'll have to know what she thinks of this because it's just so puzzling. Because you think it's so black and white. Like, oh, she was drunk. Yeah, well, if you started from the end, if you're like, there was a car crash, there was a smash bottle of vodka and her blood alcohol was high, I'd be like, okay, she was drunk. Why are you telling me this on our podcast? You know? But I don't know. It feels like a cop-out to just be like, yeah, she was drunk. I mean, it's likely she was drunk. But even then, like, why? How? I don't know. I really don't know. Why would she just decide to do that? It's it's it must have just been alcoholism, right? I don't know. It don't must know. have been. Let us know what you think. Do we would love to hear your ideas. Do you have anything else you want to say? No, thank you for putting that so cleanly. I feel like you did a really good job. Well done. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, if you like the podcast and you want to support us, then you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to head over to Patreon, where you can now see us. Wait, you didn't say our. our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Oh, it's at MythsMagicPod. I am so sorry. <laughs> you big crazy. If you want to head over to Patreon, where you can now see us and you can get more uncut episodes. Not completely uncut, because I don't want to be putting me stuttering in every single episode. Abby coughing. <laughs> but, you know, more silly talk, more uplifting things that isn't just the, the crime. Mm -hmm. And you can do that at patreon.com forward slash MythsMagicMurder. 
Yeah, uh, you'll also get the podcast before everyone else does. Um, and you don't have to watch us. If you're like, good God, I cannot stand to look at those women any longer. We will also just put the audio up there for you guys. Uh, you get 10% off of our merch, uh, which you can go and see on mythsmagicandmurder.com. What else do you get on Patreon? You get to know what's coming before everyone else. You get to hear it before everyone else. You get to see us. You get extra episodes every month. It's a good time. Patreon, at the minute, it's a mixed bag because we don't have any tiers, so you can give us as much or as little as you want, which we had a wonderful donation the other day, so thank you so much because it really does mean a lot to us. It means that we can upgrade our equipment and we can pay for, you know, fixing things and getting new stuff like the lights we're using for Patreon today, so it is really helpful. Um, but we don't have any tiers, which means that we kind of just... Everyone gets everything, and we just kind of put out whatever we can. So, yeah, you get some extra episodes, you get some extra pictures. Just some fun stuff like that. You get a good time. Um, over on our website as well, you can request episodes, and you can submit your own stories, your own haunted happenings, scary stories, and terrifying tales. And if you don't want to go over to our website, if you're like, you know what, I hate that website, it looks ugly, then first of all, don't tell Abby. And second of all, you can email your stories to us on mythsmagicandmurder at gmail.com. Awesome. You want me to get right into it? Please do. Okay. My sources for this week are Wikipedia, Biography.com, AllThat'sInteresting.com, Murderpedia.org, Historic2Crime.com, MysteriousAndUnsolvedStories.com, and Medical-Center.info. So Belle Gunnis was also known as the Black Widow and Hell's Belle. Mm. Was born Bella or Brynhild Polstater Storset. She was born on the 11th of November back in 1859 and lived in Selbu, Norway, with her parents Paul Storset, who's a stonemason, and Berit Olstater, who I presume was a housewife because no one has mentioned her occupation. Also in that house with her were her seven older siblings. Times in her family were pretty tough, as there were obviously a bunch of kids to feed. So as soon as she could, Belle got a job working for local farms, milking and herding cattle. If there's one thing that Belle has loved from the start, it's money. Fair enough. As soon as she'd saved enough, she went to New York in 1881 and legally changed her first name to Belle, which is why I'm calling it that. I'm not just making it up. Uh, right. <laughs> that makes more sense. She wanted to, like, Americanize it because, obviously, she came from Norway. Yes. She decided to live with one of her older siblings, Nellie, who had come to America a few years before. Furtado. <laughs> Go away. Nellie lived with her husband over in Chicago, and the three lived together in, until 1884. The elephant? <laughs> oh my god. During these few years, Belle got a few more jobs, working as a maid, and then in a butcher's shop, cutting up carcasses, which is just the job you'd want, spoiler, a serial killer to do in their mm. early life. Yes. <laughs> but if my kid got that job, I'd be like, get out. Don't come back, please. It's definitely some kind of awakening, potentially. Mm, yeah. Like I said, though, she moved out in 1884, and that was to live with her new husband. Ooh. Mads Sorensen. He was also Norwegian-American. Good for her. The couple went into business together and ran a confectionery store, which does seem a bit weird with her background in hacking meat. 
but maybe she was a good loader and unloader of crates. Maybe she just liked being in stores. <laughs> it would have made sense if she was the loader, because Belle was six foot tall and weighed over 200 pounds, and has been described as very physically strong and stocky. Wow. Yeah. Especially for like, what year was this? 18 something. Right? Yeah. He's six foot 1884, tall. 1884, I believe. Yeah. Good for her. Good for her. Can you imagine going to the butcher shop and there's this like terrifying, <laughs> enormous woman I was just meat? thinking that. It feels like something out of a movie, doesn't it? Like, Belle, come out here. And like, she comes through like, absolutely dench. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, can I get, can I, can I get some bacon, please? Oh, 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 um, could I? She's like, yes. Slams it on, on the table in front of you. Good, good for her. Never come back. Anyway, whatever her role was, the business was not running well at all. Oh, no. Yeah, it started to fail almost immediately. Oh. But she's such a good loader and unloader. (laughs) I know. You'd think with all the loading and unloading of things, it would be running smoothly. Then, strangely, within just one year, the business mysteriously combusted and was burnt down to the ground. Oh, no. Have no fear, though. Your gal, Belle, had very good insurance. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Then shortly after, she had some rotten luck, because the couple's house burnt down, too. Excuse me? Hmm? You didn't do the news today? Yes, I did. What was it? It was the dead birds. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Sorry. My brain just went... <laughs> then, shortly after, she had some rotten luck because the couple's house burnt down too. Oh no. Again, though, as luck would have it, they had great insurance. Well, that's good. So the couple bought a much nicer new house. Hmm. Mm. How much nicer? Hmm. Belle and Mads then had two children at this new house Caroline and Axel. While both of these children were in infancy, they developed nausea, fever, diarrhea, and lower abdominal pain with cramping. Oh no. And eventually passed away. Oh no. With the sign-off being from acute colitis. Now I'm not sure how much you know about, for example, strychnine poisoning, but the symptoms are pretty similar. Oh. Again, Belle had taken out insurance on both of these children and got a large payout. By June 13th, 1900, Belle and Mads had two more children, Myrtle, who was three, and Lucy, who was one. Additionally, it appeared the couple had also adopted a child named Morgan Couch, who was 10 years old. Morgan eventually um, changes her name or is also known as Jenny. So when I mention Jenny in the future, it's the adopted child. Right, okay. Now, I can imagine that raising three children is pretty expensive. And obviously, Belle thought so too. So it was time for her to earn some more. On July 30th, 1900, Mads died. Oh. Belle got the doctor, and he originally thought he'd died from strychnine poisoning. But then the family doctor got involved and was like, no, no, he had an enlarged heart that he was being treated for. It's probably just that. Let's not check. Happy with that as an explanation, Mads' death was signed off as heart failure. And there was no autopsy because it wasn't suspicious. Seems pretty suspicious to me, I'm not going to lie. Yep. 
It wasn't suspicious at all that Mads had died on the one day that both of his life insurances overlapped. Mm. As one was ending and another beginning. Plus, it certainly wasn't suspicious that Bell cashed this money in the day after his funeral. Wow. These are all just coincidences. Slick. No. Because of this weird coinkydink, Bell was given $8,500. Would you like to guess how much that is nowadays? What was the year 1900? Yes. I have no idea. Like, 240000 272,400. Wow, I was not that far off, actually. No, you're getting good. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. So, Belle and her children moved away and bought a 48-acre pig farm on the outskirts outskirts of La Porte, Indiana, as well as a house in La Porte. While the family was packing up to move, she met Peter Gunnis. Spoiler, they get married because I introduced her as Belle Gunnis. I was thinking, hmm, that just sounds familiar. He was, he was also born in Norway and had also become a recent widower. The couple started up a relationship and they were married on the 1st of April 1902. Strangely, only after one week of them being married, Peter's youngest of two daughters passed away while in Belle's care. Mm. Then eight months after this, just after Belle and Peter's son Philip was born, Peter died too. When Belle was first asked how Peter had died, she said he was reaching for his slippers that were next to the stove in the kitchen, but he slipped and was scalded with brine. Creative. However, her story changed pretty soon after that to say that part of a sausage grinder fell from a wobbly shelf and killed him. Even more creative. (laughs) She doesn't do things by halves, does Belle. Bit suspicious. Little bit, yeah. No, wrong. Only one person, Peter's brother, thought this was weird. Why is everyone just being like, ugh, she's probably fine. It's not like everyone she's ever known has died, and she worked in a butcher's, and she's obviously capable of murder. Gust, who was Peter's brother, took Peter's remaining child, Swanhild, away from Belle to live in... Swanhild? Yeah. That's a beautiful name. It is, isn't it? To live in Wisconsin. Good. Of course, Belle being Belle, she cashed in on Peter's life insurance. So she was given a $3,000 payout, which is around how much? 80000 93900 Oh, are you seeing this? <laughs> she just continued working on the farm as if nothing had happened. Her adopted daughter, who now went by Jenny Olson, had told her friends at school, My mama killed my papa. She hit him with a meat cleaver, and he died. Don't tell a soul. Oh my god, what a snitch. Children are snitches. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Kids don't care. They've got no alliances. <laughs> you do something wrong, they are telling. Strangely enough, after this, Jenny went missing. Belle told people she'd been sent to a school over in California. Interesting. All of this violence surrounding Belle had obviously given her a hunger for love. As she started to post personal ads Obviously, in the newspaper. Obviously, why would you link those two things? To find a relationship. Well, I mean, all of her lovers have died. Yeah, under very suspicious circumstances. <laughs> nah, don't know what you're on about. Anyway, she's put an ad in the newspaper. I love that. I love that she's, she's really into it. Yeah. One entry read <clears throat> under the personal section. 
comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in Laporte County, Indiana, desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided, with view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered, unless sender is willing to follow answer with personal visit. Triflers need not apply. <laughs> I love that she just put out immediately what she wants. Yeah. I'm rich. You gotta be. That's it. That's I want a man with money, and he better turn up at my door. Yeah. Honestly, Belle? Same. <laughs> it's a shame this is so old, because you couldn't even give her a quick Google and be like, wow, she knows a lot of dead people. No, there's no Facebook. You look and all of her Facebook friends are deceased. <laughs> Zabel's house became a hotspot of gentlemen visitors. One Henry Gerholt answered her ad. Might I just add here that she put this in a newspaper that was read by people that had come over to America from Norway. Okay. So these are all Norwegian names. They're not just like randomly weird American names. Henry Gerholt answered her. And sorry, this was in 1905. After arriving, he sent a letter to his family saying how much he liked the farm, how he was well, and he asked for seed potatoes. Okay. However, this was the last thing his family heard from him. So they got in contact with Belle, who said he'd gone off with, a, with horse traders to Chicago, but she'd kept his trunk and fur overcoat. Trunk being like suitcase. Yeah. Similarly... John Moe turned up in 1906 and withdrew a large amount of cash, presumably to impress Belle. Oh, she likes that, I'm sure. Mm. He was never seen again. But a Too work- much. <laughs> she likes this so much. But a workman for Belle said that he had seen John's trunk still in her house, along with dozens of others. That's horrific, but like, obviously I knew where it was going. You did? She's funny, man. Like, this is not way. obviously not funny because it's a, people are dead. Oh, yeah. But, like, she was just... She didn't give a single fuck. No. She was like, catch me if you want. I ain't She's, care. I'm ad in the newspaper. This is literally the best way to just get random victims. And it was. It was. Yeah. Around this time, neighbours were noticing that Belle was spending a large amount of time with her pigs in the night time. How <laughs> strange. I was thinking pig farm. Mm. She'd been planning that and spent a lot of money on wooden trunks that apparently... So, <laughs> the, I suppose, <laughs> Amazon delivery man turned up at her house. At 1900. Yeah, yeah. And she would grab these wooden crates, and he was like, those are heavy crates. Do you want me to do it? And she was like, no, no. And she would lift them, quote, like a box of marshmallows. Because she was hench. She's huge, She's small. She's ripped. George Anderson also answered Belle's advert, and shortly after he'd arrived, Belle mentioned that she needed help paying off her mortgage. So George agreed that if they got married, he would pay this for her. That night, he stayed in the guest room, but he awoke suddenly. He turned around and found Belle leaning over him. He said that the expression on her face was murderous, so he yelled, which made her leave, and then he was like, I'm not staying here. He put on his little socks and he went. Oh. He didn't even get changed. She let him out. He just left. Old Budsberg visited in 1907 after obtaining several thousand dollars in cash without telling his sons. And he just went to answer her call. Eventually, they found out where he'd gone 
i.e. the sons, and they wrote to Belle. She responded immediately, only to say that their father had never arrived. Finally, Andrew Helgelian visited Belle after exchanging letters for many months. The final one from Belle to Andrew read, To the dearest friend in the world, no woman in the world is happier than I am. I know you are now to come to me and be my own. I can tell from your letters that you are the man I want. It does not take one long to tell when to like a person, and you I like better than anyone in the world, I know. Think how we will enjoy each other's company. You, the sweetest man in the whole world. We will be all alone with each other. Can you conceive of anything nicer? I think of you constantly, when I hear your name mentioned, and this is when one of the dear children speaks of you. Or I hear myself humming it with the words of an old love song. It is beautiful music to my ears. My heart beats in wild rapture for you, my Andrew. I love you. Come prepared to stay forever. So she was pretty poetic about it. Yeah. She went just like, do you want a shag? Let's go. She was nice. Well, good for her. Yeah. Well, not because... Well, I mean, yeah. She's she's bad, but at least she's classy, I guess. He brought a large check with him and was never heard from again. People need to stop doing this. Well, they want to impress her. I mean, yeah, she she did say specifically in the ad, so leave you rich. Around this time, Belle had started fighting with her farmhand, Ray Lamphere. She convinced the whole town that Ray was madly in love with her and would threaten her lovers and family nonstop. She even went to write a will because Ray had allegedly threatened to burn her house to the ground. Mm. That very night, Belle went and bought some toys for her three children, as Jenny was still away, as well as two gallons of kerosene, which is paraffin. Not sketchy. Kids love that. Kids are like, (laughs) Mum, please bring home some kerosene. Surprisingly that night, her house was burnt to the ground. Authorities arrived too late and found the bodies of three children, her kids, and one woman whose head was cut off. Oh. So they arrested Ray, obviously, and found him guilty of arson, but not of murder. Belle's property was searched and they eventually found many body parts in depressions made in the hog pen. With every body, the head had been removed the arms taken off at the shoulders, and the legs severed at the knees. Quicklime had been placed on the faces and ears, presumably to make identification that much harder. My God, that's disgusting. Well, that's what you get working in a butchery. Yeah, she's smart. She's had training. It was around this time that Ray spoke up. He said that Belle had put the adverts out to rob and murder men who arrived. We'd figured that. Ray as far as I'm aware. I hope all of you would figure that out, because if not, you need... She what? Abby, please. I thought she just wanted someone to cuddle. She what? She asked him to burn down the farmhouse with her children inside. Oh, Jesus. He also said that the female body inside was not Belle's. It was a victim who had been placed inside to mislead investigators, and she had faked her death to flee elsewhere. Oh my god. So the doctor was like, yeah, right, and performed the post-mortem. 
and said it was five inches shorter and about 50 pounds lighter than Bell had been. However, this theory was entirely ignored and she was pronounced dead. Oh my God. Guys. They never found the head. Get it together. Did you hear that? Or were you they never me? found the head. They never found the head. The remains of many men were found at the farm, as well as Jenny. Ah, Jenny. She had not gone to school. I didn't think she did. Shortly before Ray died, he admitted that he and Belle had killed 42 men together. Oh, he'd helped. She would spike their coffee, bash their heads in, cut up their bodies, and put them in sacks. And then he did the planting Right, okay, so he didn't do much. He did nothing. But he did the important bit, I mean, I he knew what was going on, yes. He should have reported it, yes. He was an accomplice, yes. But in the grand scheme of things... She was doing everything and he was... He was stood there. Pigs, it so reminded yes. me of Mr. and Mrs. Tweedy from Chicken Run. Mm. Interesting, but yeah, fair enough. I agree. <laughs> Recently, DNA tests were performed on the headless female corpse, but they came back inconclusive. So I guess we'll never know. That's a shame. Although, in 1931, a woman named Esther Carlson was arrested in LA for poisoning a Norwegian-American man and trying to rob him. People thought she looked a little too similar to Belle. And inside her, like, purse, there was a photograph of children who looked very similar to Belle's kids. Oh, she just doesn't quit. Lay low. So... That is all of the knowledge that I have. And I've also got written here, you could be wondering what happened. She seemed like a fairly normal person to begin with. She just liked a bit of cash. She was happy working in a butchery. I kind of just assumed that everything took over her. Yeah. But there's a possibility that Belle had a trauma in her early life that led to some of her wicked deeds. It's not verified, but there is a common story sort of surrounding Belle's history that in 1877, so before she moved to America... There was a country dance that Belle attended, and at the time she was pregnant. At some point during the dance, she was allegedly attacked by a man who kicked her in the abdomen, meaning that she miscarried. Since the attacker was from a well-off family, the authorities never charged him, and from this day everyone said that Belle's personality completely shifted. Yeah, possibly. But it's not verified. We don't know if that happened. What do you think? The struggle with it being so long ago. Yeah. I think it's entirely possible that that happened, you know, trauma led to that. Or maybe trauma led to that combined with like, well, if he was, you know, this wealthy man and he got away with that, what could I get away with? True, yeah. If I was yeah. a wealthy woman. Yeah. You know, that or just the overwhelming need for money without having to like get a job because her jobs were failing. Maybe yeah. Maybe she was just like, it just escalated quickly. You know, she got married. She was like, this is fine. Obviously, she did the butcher work. She opened the sweet shop. And then maybe she was just like, um, this isn't working. I need something. We'll start a fire. Oh, that worked. We'll start another fire. Oh, what else could I do? You know what I mean? Yeah, what's got a bigger payout than home insurance? Life insurance. Just desperation. Just yeah. getting to the point where it's like, she's so desensitized to it. She knows how to dismember a body because she's been used to, to dismembering carcasses from mm. animals. And she's just kind of snowballed. Yeah. I suppose as well, if that did happen to her earlier in life, she has probably sort of depersonalized rich Norwegian men. 
Possibly, So yeah. she's probably just like, oh, I'll just cut them up like I did to the animal carcasses. Yeah, I think the children is the most surprising part, but... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Do you think she's dead? By now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I figured that. But I mean, do you think it was her in the house? Well, no, if she was shorter. If she was like lighter, then maybe. because Maybe she had yeah. a really long head, though. Maybe that added to her height. Possibly. Mm, maybe. I don't know. The The last bit you said was quite interesting, though. About Esther? Mm. Mm. What do you think? Do you think she she died, though? I don't think she died. No, it feels too, like, coincidental. I feel like if he'd been on her side this whole time, why would... Well, I mean, that was supposedly, like, a crime of passion. Oh, yeah, you know? I know, but... Uh, um, it, what doesn't make sense is why her head was cut off. Because if he was just planting the bodies in the hog pen, he's not had a history of like performing violent acts. Yeah, she's had a history of setting things alight and killing people. So yeah. finding a headless body in a burnt house is not exactly surprising. So I'm kind of guessing that she just used someone as a plant and then got away. Exactly. And just started a new life. Perhaps she killed even more people and we just don't know. Possibly. She could be tied to other crimes. Or she just laid low, got a house somewhere. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Yes, please do. I would love to know. It's an interesting one. Thank you for the recommendation. Yeah, it was very interesting. Thank you. Yeah. And don't listen before bed. Listen before bed. <laughs>